everyone. Welcome to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel. Naming live on Sportsnet 360, Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. And please rate and review the show. I'm your host, Wim Lou. I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. What's going on, Alex? How you doing? Hi. I just want to shout out my mom. You know, she's in Hong Kong right now pulling up the YouTube streams, mm. showing off to the family. And unfortunately, I have a black guy. It'll get better soon, mom. No, it's looking tough, man. It's like a it's like a yellow green color. What happened to it again? I got elbowed at our Tuesday pickup run. That was last you, week. You man. were there. That was yeah. a whole week ago. I don't know. Maybe I should take two weeks off. Okay. Should right. I? Nah, yeah. Fair enough. Anyways, what's up? Um, yeah. So exciting show we have planned for you today. We really? have um, interview with Thad Young. So yesterday, mm. um, we were able to uh, get the chance to talk to Thad. And mm. if you remember last year when we had the same chance to talk to that, because I was preparing for the Thad interview and I searched into Spotify, like, you know, Thad Young, right? Mm. And what came up was Thad Young interview of the century. Oh, right, which is yeah. the tag that you'll, you'll be giving to every single one of these. Are you going to be saying interview of the century again? No, I think someone took the interview of the century tag last year and tried to run with it. So okay. once someone else runs with it, we got to just, you know, find a new slant. Okay, so, fair, fair. Yeah. But spiritually, they are all interviews of right. the century. And I was listening back to that interview, and it was 30 minutes, and it was awesome, and, and Thad's a great interview and great guest. But mm. I remember part of the reason why we, we were able to get that much time was because of the fact that we went down to practice, and, um, you know, Thad just went through his usual routine. Like, this is how you play yeah. 16 years in the league effectively, is yeah. going to the cold tub, the hot tub, every tub, you know? Every and tub. So, By the um, way, can we just dip Otto Porter's toe in that ice tub? <laughs> You know, Chinese doctor over here. Like, can we just dip that toe maybe for like two hours and see what happens? Yeah, I mean, because he's out for another month. Get well soon, Otto. Get well soon, Otto. I, I love Otto. We're not both, a doctor. We're I, both I, big fans of Wu Tang and Nas. So, you know, me wow. and Otto from the same generation. Kind wow. of. Okay. Um, but yes, you were saying Thad Young last time we had to wait for two hours. Mm -hmm, yes. And then he actually called us when we came back to yeah, the studio. And it was a really great interview. So, mm -hmm. um, as, as it always is with Thad. But um, this time around, we went down, and I think you made sure to pass on the note that, like, look, it's going to take, well, at least 30 minutes to get from the practice facility back to the uh, sports center. Yeah, because I, I don't know if you're taking the scooter. I don't know if you're biking. So, you know, a little buffer for you. I was taking the, the 29 Dufferin, and then yeah. I took the subway over. <laughs> what do you mean, man? <laughs> but anyway. Just call an Uber. Um, um, but you were here on hand, like, ready to talk to Blake Murphy, which, okay. honestly, we really missed out a chance on you talking to Blake Murphy for the first time in your life. Cause yeah. I was going to ask him the same topics, you know, really? the, the three-point shooting, half-court offense. You know, I've been thinking a lot about Vision 6-9, so I'm glad you guys touched on all, everything that I've been thinking about. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So great job, man. Good no, job I, yesterday. I, I honestly thought that it was going to be 20 minutes of wrestling talk between you two. Oh, yeah. Um, By the way, Chris Boucher, huge wrestling fan. Yeah. Another takeaway from, from the okay, live Okay, yeah, event. that's right. By the way, so at the live event, he, he did give us wrestling comps. What did he call me? I think it was Papa Shango. I think. What does that mean? Yeah, just Can look it up that? after. Well, I I propose that you were IRS. Okay, yeah. I don't know. I think it was just trying to make an Asian joke. I think you wanted to be the... the I was Million Dollar Man, Ted DiBiase, Generational Wealth, and you were IRS. No, but Chris is really into wrestling. I'd love yeah. to do a wrestling pod with Chris. Okay. That'd be super cool. Okay. But I'm a Sportsnet employee, so no, it's I'm enough. here at Raptor Show. But anyway, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... By the way, Felix from the from who attended the event, please, I've texted you three times. Please claim your prize. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, what was the prize? I, I can't say on air, but please okay. message me back. Uh, fair enough. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, so um, luckily I was able to get the interview done. Yes. You didn't have to come in and talk wrestling with Blake. 
Yeah. We were at the usual Blake Murphy Tuesdays. Yep, and I and had then, some tiramisu in the back with Frank Barasca. Right. Yeah, Happy right. trails to, to Frank. Uh, it, was, it was great working with you. And then, yeah. We and were welcome able, back, Jennifer Rolnick. Welcome back, Jennifer Rolnick. And we were able to get to this Dad Young interview. So, okay. uh, without further ado, this is our interview with Thaddeus Young. We're down here at practice with uh, Thad Young. Um, so, Thad, this is the main point that when we hear from the fans right now, people are real panicked. Okay, people are panicked. Um, they see that the losses to the Magic are a level that, with all due respect to the Magic, they played really well, but they expect the Raptors to sort of take care of some of these games. What's the mood right now like for you guys in the locker room? Because right now a lot of the fans are panicked, and I think they really just want to hear how you guys are doing. Uh, I mean, we're doing fine. Like our, our mood is uh, making sure that we come out with a sense of urgency. Um, that's one of the biggest things that we always have to approach every game with a sense of urgency. And when we don't approach the games with a sense of urgency and try to kind of cruise into it, uh, you know, games like the magic happen, uh, you know, hat goes off to the magic. They play their butts off. They played a really good, they played two really solid basketball games. They played harder than we did mm-hmm. and they deserve those wins. You know, they outplayed us. And those are the, the things that we can't let happen. You know, we have to impose our will on the game. I've you know said this time and time again, uh, imposing our will early on the game puts us in a way better position at the end of games. And, uh, you know, so the point to the point, you know, we don't let the basketball guys take over. You know, when you kind of cruise into games and, you know, you're not, you know, just, you know, getting getting your own pace with the, the team, you know, it, it doesn't help you at all. You know, so we have to get it, find our pace, find our niche and find what we do and get to doing what we do best. Right, right. Well, you know, to that point, um, it was reported, uh, you know, last week that, that you had spoken prominently during a, a players meeting after the loss, you know, in Brooklyn. Um, first off, I just wanted to ask, like, how often do these kind of things happen? And do you think that sometimes when it's reported like, yo, they had a players meeting, it gets kind of blown out of proportion or what's going on there? I think it gets blown out of proportion <clears throat> for the simple fact of we're always talking. Right. You know, um, you know, if, if that's the case, then every day is a players meeting. Mm. You know, we're always talking about games. We're always talking about how we can approach games and how we can do things better as a team, uh, what we need to give to the team individually. So, you know, it, it, it it's always gets blown out of proportion, you know, just because like, you know, you know, we, we lost a game and then guys are starting to speak out and stuff like that. That it's no different than, you know, any other time. Right. You know, guys right. are always speaking out. I'm speaking out in huddles, Fred's talking, Pascal's talking, you know, even, you know, during practice, after practice, you know, so, you know, if you want to call a players meeting, <laughs> you know, that's that's every single day. Mm. Okay, because sometimes it does get you know sounds a little dramatic. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna lock Nick and the coaches out, and then we're gonna hash this thing out ourselves. I mean, look, listen, you guys are a group that you know you have these young vets on the team, right? And and one of the points of emphasis that was reported was that you know you guys wanted to come out and throw the first punch, right? And I thought we saw progress of that when you guys beat Orlando the game after that. And you, you guys, you couldn't get it done against Boston, but you guys played really well. You know, there was no let off in the early. Yeah, they made some big threes. They made some timely threes. Yeah, uh, Marcus Smart hit like two or three of them with a, with hands in his face. So that's tough. That's tough. <laughs> those are those are tough shots. You know, and and they're a good team too. That's you know reason why they're they're top in the East right now, and mm. you know they have the record that they do. You know, um, they're a team that's been put together really well, and uh, they come out and they play together and they gel and they have you know good solid chemistry. Right, right, but. You know, I think so. You, you guys delivered that message, but then I, you know, sometimes it kind of slips up a little bit, right? Because that first quarter, the first game you guys played Orlando, you guys gave up 37. I just think that, like, for you guys, as the veterans of the team, how do you 
maintain that the confidence is there for you guys, and especially for the younger guys? Because I think for you guys who have gone through all the battles, guys have won championships on this team. They're not worried about a game in December to that degree. But for some of the younger guys, do you feel like you guys have to step in and sort of maintain their focus and, and confidence no matter what? Through positivity, you know, fight, uh, fight, you know, fighting through adversity because at every point, you know, at any point in the season, you're going to have to fight through some adversity. Um, you know, showing your resiliency and being able to fight through. You know, we just have to get back to being the resilient team that we mm-hmm. were, mm-hmm. that we were last year. You know, last year we were a very resilient team. You know, teams would get up on us by 10 or 15, and that resiliency will kick in, and we'll say, okay, you know, we, we've hit a little bit of adversity. Let's be resilient and let's continue to fight and see where it takes us at the end of the games. And, you know, most of the time those results are wins. You know, so – Biggest thing is just getting back to, you know, our resiliency and our our fighting nature and, you know, becoming road warriors and making sure that we take care of business. You know, um, you know I think we do a fairly good job at home, but once we hit the road, we have to get better, you know. So with that being said, just that resiliency. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. And I think, you know, you've been on the team um, less than a year still, right? But you've you've sort of seen and been around the group obviously a ton. Um We've always known that Fred's been a guy who speaks out and speaks his mind, and he's sort of been that de facto leader. But for Pascal, do you notice the difference between how he approaches games this year versus how he approaches the team this year? Yes. Um, you know, he's <clears throat> he's definitely growing into that leader. That leader role, he's doing what he's supposed to do as far as going out there and scoring baskets, playing defense, and, you know, showing showing it and proving it. You know, but, um, you know, his vocal nature is getting better. Mm. You know, um, he's speaking out at, in huddles, speaking out in uh, team meetings, and, you know, he's, uh, you know, stopping coaches doing film sessions and saying, hey, we need to do this, this, and this. You know, those are great signs of, you know, an improving leader and a guy who, you know, who wants to win and who wants to continue to lead and wants to be, you know, the cornerstone of a franchise. Yeah, and there's no doubt. And I think, um, you know, the coaches have said that too, and it's, it's good that the teammates are saying this too because you do notice a difference in his approach, right? Like I think in the offseason, I don't know how much you were around him, but you saw that he was going to take a leap just based off watching some of the work he was doing in the offseason. And, of course, you see it translate this season. What did you notice of him in the summer and sort of his approach to, to how serious he approached the, the fact that even though he's already making the max right now, he's still working harder and harder to make sure that he gets to another level? He approaches each, he, he, his approach to each day is the same way. You know, he starts his work day and he continues his work day throughout the day. Um, he's one of the hardest working players I've been around. Him, uh, guys like Victor Oladipo, they have the same kind of like regimen where mm-hmm. they get to the gym super early, they get their work in, and then they're still working after practice. You know, right, right. Still doing stuff to, to try to continuously get better. And they're striving, you know, for greatness each and every day, you know, and that's what you want to see in your leaders. You know, guys who are putting in the work, putting in the time, making sure that they're in the gym and they're doing the thing, not to be seen, but to continuously get better, to yeah. help improve, you know, the chemistry of the team, help improve themselves so the team can win more basketball games. You know, obviously, you know, we all want to be paid and, and we want to have, you know, live great, lavish lifestyles and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But at the end of the day, we're playing basketball. And, you know, if you're, you have a, a craft and you want to perfect your craft, you got to continuously work. And that's what those guys had, those guys did. And, you know, I was kind of I was happy to you know see that when I first got here, like how much he worked and how much he putting in the time, and, and you know just noticing like how much his growth has been, you know, in in a short period of time. Yeah, no, it's no doubt. I mean, that's the one thing this this season for fans that they're, they're not worried about Pascal. They see sort of the way he's sort of playing. I think the two areas of concern for a lot of people are are how Fred's doing and how Scotty's doing. We we'll, we'll start with Fred. Um, 
obviously he's not making shots right now, right? We know he can hit shots at a high level. We've seen it at the highest level in the, in, in, in the conference finals, in the finals. Um, do you have to say anything to him at, at all, or do you just let him ride? But let's stop playing with Fred. Like, okay. <laughs> like, he he knows what he, he knows what he's capable of. He knows what he can do. Everybody in the world knows what he can do. He's proved it time after time again. You know, he's he was a a, a big piece of a championship team. Yeah. You know, if you know a couple of those games, you know, they don't win a championship if he doesn't come and make big threes and make big shots. He you had know. 12 points in game six to close that thing out. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So, you know, let, let's stop playing with him. You know, yeah. he he's a, a, a great teammate. He's a guy that, you know, that's always willing to bet on himself. And he's a guy that, you know, puts a lot of pride in his craft and what he does. Mm-hmm. You know, and he loves the game of basketball. He comes in, he works just like Pascal. He works, you know, just as hard. You know, and when you see a guy like that, like I said, you, you know that, you know, you want to follow those type of guys into battle. You know, and I'm willing to follow those guys each and each and every day. You know, um, you know, me and Fred, we talk a lot. You know, so, you know, like I said, like I know who he is as a person. I know who he is as a player, and I know that you know, you know, for for the most part, like guys are going to go through these periods in their careers. They're going to go through these times throughout a season, and you know, it all it, it can only get better. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's that's what's going to happen. Like he's going to get better, and you know, he's going he's going to continue to you know try to play. You know, but. Him being on the court, you know, as a presence is sometimes better than anything that sometimes we have out there mm, on the court. Right, so, right. you know, him, you know, just, you know, taking two guys with him and, you know, making, getting the guy open, you know, yeah. those type of things. So, you know, like I said, let's, let's stop playing with him and, you know, let's continue to, you know, make sure that we're continuously building him up and uh, making sure that, you know, we know that he's a vocal part, uh, integral part of this team. Yeah, no doubt. And I think with Fred in particular, too, it's just that you've seen him do it so much, you know, time after time. You got to trust that it's going to come around. Yeah, and it's we expected. know he's a great shooter. Exactly, it's expected. Yeah. Like, like yeah, we we expect you know every single one to go in. Yeah, for sure. You know, when I when I see him take a, a a deep three, I'm like, oh, that's going in. You know, so when you you see those like those shots go up and they don't go in, mm-hmm. and you're like, okay, he's gonna make the next one. Yeah, yeah. He's gonna make the next one because like we've seen it time after time again. So, you know, I think it's just a matter of like just continuously going out there and just playing, mm-hmm. you know, it's not like his confidence is, is down. Like he's going to continue. He's continue to be who he is. He's going to continue to take those shots with confidence. And sometimes they're going to go in, sometimes they're not, you know, but at the end of the day, like I, I will bet my money, you know, on Fred. Right, right. No doubt. Now, I think the, the other thing that people are wondering about is what's going on with Scotty. Now, it's funny because when you look at the stats, Scotty's stats actually look very similar from, mm-hmm. from first year to second year. Maybe the percentages are a little bit down, but are you noticing anything different about his approach, and are you having to say anything to him behind the scenes? Uh, I think with Scott is just him just continuously like trying to pick it back off what he did last year. Mm. You know, this year, you know, a lot of teams know who he is now. You know, and I think that's one of the biggest parts. Like, it's a lot of eyes on him. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> you know, so so when you have a lot of eyes on you, you have to figure out how to get some of those eyes, you know, off you onto some other guys or you know, taking those eyes and then using those eyes against him sometimes. Mm-hmm, and, you know, he hasn't learned that part yet. And he's continuously growing as a player. He's learning. He's coming into the gym, still working every day. You know, and I think injuries kind of played a part into, like, his slow start to the season. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, he's getting healthy now. And, you know, let's just continuously hope that he continues to get to 100%. And, you know, we all know what he can do when he's at 100%. Yeah. So just continuously, like, locking in and, and making sure that, like, you know, he know that, 
you know, we need him in order to continue to move forward and, and to push forward as a group, as a unit. And, you know, he's going he's gonna to be there for him just like we're going to be there for him. I'm curious, too, because I was watching that the Orlando game, and, and they drafted a guy like Franz Wagner, who's a very, you know, talented player. He made all-rookie as well. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like, especially with Scotty winning that Rookie of the Year award, like some of these younger guys are coming at him a little harder now, knowing that, you know, he's got the crown right now? Uh, I wouldn't say that. You know, I would just say that guys are just playing basketball. Okay, okay. Um, like, you know, it's a, it's a competitive game, and I mm-hmm. think everybody's just being competitive. You know, but, um, you know, I wouldn't say guys are just, like, coming at him. Like, it's not like Scotty can't play any defense. <laughs> right, right. <That's> true, yeah, <laughs> he's, he's one of the better defenders in the league, you know, mm-hmm. so – you know, um, you know, for him, I think it's just more so like, like I said, him getting healthy, and then him just, uh, you know, just making sure that he's playing smart basketball as opposed to young basketball. Right, right. Now, now for yourself personally, because I feel like everyone asks you about all the players, you know, like like you're a coach or something. But obviously, like you know, you're a big part of the team, and and for yourself personally, you know, start of the year, I don't think you were getting minutes, which was a little bit of a surprise to everybody, to yeah. be honest, because obviously we know the quality that you have and the experience that you have. But then you go from, like, not playing a lot to, like, starting in a lot of these games and playing a really big role, especially when Pascal went down. How do you maintain that ability to still be successful no matter what role comes at you? Because a lot of players need time to, to adjust, which is normal. But for you, you can just do, I do what, too. You do too. Okay, <laughs> do too, good. But, good. but I, I think it's just, like, for the role that I have to play now in my career, you know, um, it, it's just all about consistency. Mm. Just bringing that uh, consistent mindset of what I need to do or how I need to approach a game or, like, what's needed throughout the course of that game. Because every game is different, right? Right. So you play every single team, and every single team is going to be different. You know, one game you might need me to score a little bit. One game you might not need me to score at all. Yeah. And, you know, just understanding, you know, your where you fit in and where you fall in at and how how it is, like, you know, um, and I, I understand it. I understand what my role is going to be each and every night, you know, how I need to kind of fit in, what I need to kind of do in order to help us win. And just kind of, like, piece everything together. Like, that's all I really want to do out there on the court. I just want to be a guy that can piece everything together, that can get us continuous movement, that can get us some 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 cohesiveness as a group mm-hmm. to make sure that we're doing the right thing so we can play the right, way, right style and brand of basketball in order to win the basketball game. Yeah, because I – you know, I'm really happy you brought that up because I wanted to ask you about the fact that it seems like no matter who you're playing with, you have instant chemistry with those guys, right? Like, you know, you and Wancho, I don't think you guys have played together previously, unless I'm mistaken, but you guys Spurs. Come, you guys play together with Spurs? Okay, well, still, like, you guys coming off the bench together or you guys starting together, but you guys instantly have that chemistry of, like, when you're in that high post, he knows when exactly to flash to the basket. You got those high-low high, passes. With the Spurs, we played three-on-three, four-on-four yeah. every single day for, like, a month. <laughs> right, right. Okay, that's, yeah. how, that's how we kind of built chemistry. Okay. So, so just underst- he understood, he understands everything. Like me, just kind of like telling, okay, look, you need to cut. As soon as I catch the ball, just cut. Just mm. do this, just do that. So, like we built that chemistry like before we even got here. Okay, you know, okay, and, makes sense. And when he signed, you know, I was like, oh, okay, that's perfect because like I know how to play with Wancho. Right. I know how to play with Op. Like right. guys that I know how to play with is e- it makes it easier. Uh, I developed a lot of ke- chemistry with Chris. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, you know, just getting guys to understand, like, how I play and how, like, they should play when I'm out there on the court and how I should play when they're out there on the court is, is, is always going to be, like, try to we're going to try to make it a beautiful thing to watch from ba- from a basketball perspective, you know, because it's simple basketball, you know, just mm-hmm. smart reads, smart cuts, easy easy buckets, and that's the, that's the overall job is to get the easiest bucket as possible so you can expand as little energy. Yeah, all right. Well, last question, because of the fact that, you know, 
guys know how to play with you, as you mentioned, right? And, um, you know, we always ask you about questions about the younger guys, right? You developed a nickname, which I noticed that your, your, your wife actually responded to on Twitter. So I just want to show you the tweet itself. All right. You can read the nickname and your wife's response to that. Um, what did you think of that nickname? <laughs> yeah, I was just saying it's only something my wife's supposed to call me. <laughs> my, yeah, it's only something my wife's supposed to call me. You know, but, you know, fans come up with a lot of different nicknames. Uh, I think, uh, you know, Stacy came up with, from the Bulls, came up with uh, Thadjik Johnson uh, yeah, yeah, when yeah. I was with the Bulls and because I was just getting all these assists and stuff like that, just, you know, creating a lot of offense and stuff. So, a lot of people come up with a lot of a lot of different names. You know, I'm I'm cool. It's all funny games. I, okay, I, okay. I, I laugh at them. <laughs> this one this one's pretty funny. I'm not gonna lie to you, uh, Thad Daddy. All right, Thad, appreciate you. All right, thank you for doing this, and no, no uh, best of luck with the season. All right, thank you. Okay, that was our interview with uh, Thad Young, the Toronto Raptors. Um, yeah, just genuinely one of the the great speakers on the team. Always very open, very uh, willing to sort of offer commentary on not just himself um, but also his teammates, and you know. As as reporters, he's definitely one of the go-to quotes. So, uh, shots to Raptors PR for for making that happen. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I, yeah. you know, listening to that back, I'm just like, why did I say no doubt no, so no, many it's times? Like Gwen Stefani, man. I, I need like it, it sounded like the uh, the Allen Iverson practice mm. ran at some points, man. I was yeah. just yeah. No, it's all good, man. It's all. I think it's good to to hear from Thad and to hear him talk about you know all the topics that we've been talking about. Yeah, Fred, yeah. Scotty, the team struggling. Mm-hmm. It's a cool tidbit to hearing about Pascal being more vocal behind the scenes, you know, in the film room, you know, speaking up more. Because, again, this was a huge topic of conversation coming into last season mm-hmm. about post-Kyle Lowry, who was going to take the leadership reign. So it was cool. It was cool to hear that describe some of that as well. Yeah. No, it's good to hear him. Obviously, look, look, if we're going to be realistic about it, the players aren't going to just slander each other. Sure. Right. So when we ask them about them, they're obviously going to be positive. But I think for me, it's very clear that um, – you know, Thad still has a lot of confidence in guys who are struggling, like Fred, like Scotty, and I think for good reason. Like, as much as they're underperforming this year, the reason that we feel like they're underperforming is because of the fact that we've seen them perform at a much higher level, right? So, there's just got to be a way to get them back to there. I mean, again, we've been saying that on the show repeatedly, but I think the confidence is still there from their teammates. Um, and then I think the other thing too is just like even getting a, a, a look at behind the scenes of how a guy like Pascal works to get to this level that he's at. Um, you know, Thad Young's been around a lot of great players in his career. He's played, you know, seven NBA franchises now. And, you know, I, I think he sees sort of like what it takes to be great, right? And I think that uh, anyone in the Raptors right now watching Pascal and the way he's worked, um, again, I've said this before, but everyone should be looking to emulate what Pascal's doing. Get together with Pascal in the offseason and work on some of the, the skills because I don't think there's – I don't think there's another player in, like, Raptors history – um, who has improved their game as much as Pascal has from when he was first drafted to to what he is? Man, now. you could even extend it beyond just Raptors history. I think if you just look at the NBA, like the last five ten years, like mm-hmm. Pascal's such a unique development story, right? Like yeah, you yeah, see, yeah. Like, you see late first rounders become starters in this league, like contributing players. But we're talking about an All NBA player, yeah, exactly. and that's a yeah. remarkable path. And of course, that doesn't happen without him putting in the work and being in the lab. And that's beyond just seeing like the Rico Hines runs, right? Like there's yeah, so yeah, many indi- individual workouts, like very focused workouts that take place. Cause you can see him coming back each season and adding different parts of the game. Right? Yeah. And even the one, even the, like look at the one part when he did struggle when the pandemic happened, 
And, you know, everybody knew that he he famously, like, did not pick up a basketball and, and play, like, before the bubble. Like, you could see the difference, right? Yeah. Like, like there's a routine to it. And, yeah, it was good to learn that Wancho used to be on the Spurs, too. So I'll be ready <laughs> yeah, for that. Bad. I'll be ready for that who he played for <laughs> next time. I don't know. I, I thought I knew, but uh, he's, I was like, yeah, I don't think you guys played together. He's like, we played together last year. Yeah. I was like, he's oh, like, in it. fact, we play three on Bro, three for an no entire month. Anyone remembers Wancho on the Spurs, man. <laughs> it, was, it was him, Wancho, and Pop running the three on three, <laughs> the three man weave. He was, he was on the Spurs for five games. Okay, but technically he's on the Spurs. Yeah, well, I was at the score for six months. I was on the at the score. Yeah, yeah. you know that's it all counts. That's a, great, that's a great analogy, actually. It all counts. Um, yeah, that? no, on on the subject of the Pascal though. Mm. Um, so we did get some rankings out, which is always free content for everybody. Oh, this is from the Ringer.com. This is from the Ringer.com. Okay. And um, we, by the way, we got to get Kevin O'Connor back on the show. Uh, yeah, I, well, I did What's message him at the start of the season, and he's like, yeah, not this year. <laughs> Why? Well, maybe towards the end of the season. I, I think because they started a second show as well, right? Sure, it was yeah, like yeah, the NBA the draft, draft show, yeah, I want to yeah, say. Yeah. And I think he just has a, a lot of obligations there. So I'll hit him up again. Okay, all right. Trying, you know, to get you, you, trying to get you Brian Windhorst as well, because I, I right. feel like, you know, even Michael Grange uh, put out a really good article at Sportsnet today about just, you know, the Raptors and where they're at mm. as the trade deadline, you know, approaches in a couple months. And he he did report in his story that the Raptors are now calling teams with more urgency than than ever before. Yeah. Why are you laughing? No, it just it just oh. it just sounds funny, man. No, like Bobby's finally using his second phone now. You know, yeah. I famously asked no, Bobby this, to this see is, his this phone. This is literally in the Bobby. Like this. <laughs> yeah. Shouts to Bobby. Let's go for karaoke. But yeah, okay, I, I yeah. think yeah 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 KOC. We can get KOC back. Okay. But yes, we you mentioned KOC. the rankings. Yeah. So um, this is from the Ringers. They put out their top 100 NBA players. Mm. Um, you know, a couple of note, obviously, OJ Anobi at 41, uh, Fred Van Vliet at 58, Scotty Barnes at 72. Um, so that kind of like rounds out the top 100. And of yeah. course, number one ranked Raptors, no, no surprise here. Pascal Siakam at, at 15, um, 14. Of, oh, at 14. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> some of the players like he's above right now, at, at least on this list is, is, is pretty impressive to me. Zion. Who we saw firsthand what Zion looks like. Yeah, I feel I don't like, know. I feel like, Zion, like a top five right Zion's got to be creeping up to the top 10 in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. Uh, ever since they started doing more point Zion, he literally has been shooting like 70% and just dunking on people. Uh, Jimmy Butler at 16, Donovan Mitchell at 17, Dame Lillard at 18, Trey Young at 19, Jalen Brown at 20. So for Pascal to be at 14, um, it's, I mean, he's, he's ahead of some impressive names. Anything stand out to you for this list? I mean, I think it's pretty fair where Pascal is at. Like, I'm even looking at the players that are ahead of him. So you've got John Moran, Devin Booker, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and Paul George. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think if you wanted to really sit down and make an argument for Pascal versus those players, I think you'd have some reasonable arguments of Pascal maybe moving up a few spots if you want to nitpick. But, uh, you know, I think I think Pascal squarely deserves to be in this class. Is there is there something Pascal can do to get into the top 10 this season? I mean, I just feel like he's he's just outperformed the expectations. Like, I'm not sure if there's anything else you can ask of him. I think it's just about keeping that consistency and having just a track record, right? Like, okay. right. if he plays at this level next year, you know, I think you would expect him, honestly, and I think it, it might be kind of wild to say, but you would expect him to maybe, like, be close to the top 10, which he already is. Yeah, I mean, of course. But, uh, We're literally saying, can, can, can yeah. he jump jaw? Right. Devin Booker, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, yeah, Paul George. Yeah, I, I think it's just that if he maintains his level of performance and does that, you know, year in, year out now, mm-hmm. yeah. then you're square, the Raptors squarely have a, a top 10, top 15 yeah. player. Well, I think the one thing with Pascal, too, is, like, 
he can be a little bit better than this defensively. Okay. Right. And, and, and to be honest, he's expending a lot of energy offensively. Right. So I understand like lots of star players, mm-hmm. you know, save some energy on the defensive end. And by no means is Pascal a bad defender. He's just like closer to average than he is like um, closer to elite right now. Right. Um, but I don't know. Some of the players on this list, they do play both ways. You know, like I, I was watching, you know, the, the, the you know, Lakers play the Celtics last night. Jason Tatum, look who he's guarding, LeBron. You know what I mean? So I think there's mm-hmm. like another level that he can get to defensively. And then, of course, the rest of it is just like, can he? Can the rest of the team win, right? Because I think that that's really is going to impact some of that stuff. But listen, when, you, when you're thinking about having a top 15 player in the NBA, like you've done the hard part. You've done the hard part, but so, now you got to build the right roster around them. And I yeah. think... I think even looking at the the you mentioned where the other Raptors are ranked. Yeah. I think that's like kind of the bigger indictment of where you want the Raptors to go, right? Because you have a top ten to fifteen player, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you've got OG in the forties. You've got Fred at fifty eight. Yeah. Scotty at seventy two, and you look at these players. You probably pick Scotty first, and then OG second in terms of being able to make a bigger jump. Right. In the rankings, right? Like, can Scotty be a top? 25 to 30 player like if scotty and og can both be like a top 25 to 30 type player yeah then you're on your discussion then you're on your way right yeah um by the way scotty is 72 um the range of some of the players um that were slightly above him devin vassell at 67 yeah okay he ran three on three with the spurs he probably rules in those three on threes man that is probably hitting him for uh for high low feeds uh al horford At 68. Right. That's how old, is that how old he is? Yeah. Uh, you okay. know, honestly. Sh- you know what? Shouts to Al Horford, man. No shouts to Al Horford, man. Why? He's, he broke TJ Ford oh, back in the right, day. Oh, right, right, right. No, okay, I didn't, I didn't know you were in the country yet. No, I've, yeah, dis- okay, I've disliked Al Horford ever since. I need you know, to see bro, your TJ passport. Ford is probably my favorite player on that team. Yeah. And he chopped him down for no no good reason. I'm, okay. I'm still mad about Al Horford. Uh, okay, okay. I, I think that was like 15, 16 years okay, ago. Okay, we're sending the shout out. Yeah. So anyway, okay. no shout out to Al Horford. Uh, yep. CJ McCollum at 69. Keldon Johnson at 70. Oh, famously in the Kawhi Leonard trade. Yes. That yeah. was the pick that the Raptors gave up, the 29th pick. Mm. And then Bojan Bogdanovic. <laughs> nah, man, we got to move Scotty up You're one telling me that Scotty is below Bojan Bogdanovic? <laughs> you know, we know. You, a man who was traded for Kelly Olenek this offseason? You're a notorious Scotty hater, but, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm not a Scotty hater. I'm saying this is too low for Scotty. No, it doesn't matter how bad Scotty's playing, man. I want to see him with, with Bojan Bogdanovic. <laughs> no, we're moving Scotty unofficially up to 71. <laughs> I can't have him below Bojan. No, come on. Below Bojan is, is, is too much for me. Yeah. I mean, look, he's struggling. There's no doubt. But I, I think the, the thing with this list, too, is like, as I understand it, people are going to continue to move up and down, right? It's going to be a fluid kind of situation. And mm-hmm. so I could see Scotty playing into that top 50 level. Yeah. But he this, is, he, sh- he, at minimum, I think he should be at that level. He's, yeah. th- he's got that much skill. Listen, the more star, I know I'm going to sound like Magic Johnson right now, but it's like the more stars that you have, the easier the rest of the slots are going to like slot in on the roster. Like you look at, yeah. I'm looking at this right now, Jason Tatum at number six and Jalen Brown at 20. And they've been Brown ta- at 20, by the way. It feels a little low, man. Brown is really good. Yeah, and, and they've been obviously... Would you have Jalen Brown or Paul George? Oh, man. That's close for me. Exactly. I'd probably go with Jalen Brown right now. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, but, but that's like what I'm saying. The 13. Celtics Celtics made the finals last season. You know, they're they're the top team in, in the East. Mm-hmm. And it's because they have two top 20 players. And then they filled out the rest of the roles really well, right? Yeah. Like the Grant Williamses, you know, the Malcolm Brogdons. They've got Robert Williams coming back. Yeah. If Scotty can eventually get to that level, yeah. which was the expectation coming into this season. And I think we should still have those expectations for him when he does figure out out of this like sophomore slump that he's in. Yeah, sure. Once you have that second player next to Pascal, a lot of these roster construction conversations are going to be a lot easier. Yeah. Um, by the way, just, uh, I don't know. I think we, maybe I mentioned it on Blake Murphy Tuesday. 
Um, but Crowdams is leading the league in true shooting percentage. Did you know that? Oh, wow. Okay. 71.7. Wow. True shooting percentage. I think. What's he to, shooting from three? He is shooting um, 46. 46.5% yeah, That's from pretty three. wild And it's not like He's attempting Like a, sh- a small amount Of threes He takes a lot of threes Yeah that's what I was curious about Why his shoot His true shooting Was so high Because I know He shoots a lot of threes right? Yeah I mean that's, that's amazing And to put that Into context um, DeAndre Jordan Had obviously Lots of years Of, yeah, lots of, of fr- true shooting percentages And lots of friends In the league To get lots of contracts Well that, that too But also part of it Was he had a high True shooting percentage Because all he did Was dunk the ball Right Even as his peak The one year Where DeAndre Jordan Made the all-star game And played 81 games yeah. 67% so this guy, DeAndre Jordan dunking the ball is less efficient than Grant Williams shooting any shot. Right oh, now. man. That's unbelievable. What a year for the Celtics. Yeah. Can't even hate on the Celtics, man. No, it's it's tough, man. You it's see the like, comeback last night? Yeah, it's a likable group, too. Man, they were tough, man. That's what I'm saying, bro. I feel like Brown was a little low on this list. Well, so. yeah. Anyways, just need Scotty to improve, then, is the conclusion. Need Scotty to improve. We need Fred to improve. I think Fred was probably historically closer to the 40s as well, so... I mean, that was obviously at his peak, but regardless, I, I think that, uh, yeah, it's good to see Pascal get that recognition, first and foremost, and I think it's just... Well-deserved. Well-deserved, and uh, hopefully he continues to to, to work and, and the rest of the team sort of matches his level. So anyway, we're going to take a break. I'm your host, Will Lou. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Liu. I'll continue to be joined by producer and co-host, Alex Wong. And Alex, we are joined by a special guest. Yeah, we've got Mike Prado from The Athletic joining us. He's also the author of the new book, Spaced Out, How the NBA's Three-Point Revolution Changed Everything You Thought You Knew About Basketball. Mike, how are you, man? Good. Great to be talking to you guys and... Especially great to be talking to a Triumph teammate in Alex Wong. Oh, yeah, that's right. We're both on the Triumph Books roster. And, Mike, I did get a copy <laughs> of your book. I've been busy working on my next one, but I'm going to sit down hopefully during the holidays and be yeah, able to, 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 be able to sorry, get through your book. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm busy working on my next one. I love that flex. <laughs> yo, it's, flex. A, it's a great excuse for when anyone hits me up about anything. It's like, yo, you want to grab lunch? No, I'm sorry, man. I'm working on my book. Um... I got to steal that one. Yeah, no, you have to. But, <laughs> but Mike, wanted to ask you, since you wrote this book and we've been talking so much about the Raptors and their struggles in the half court and their struggles from three-point shooting, you know, as a big picture question, like can the Raptors build a contender with this roster with so little shooting? Yeah, I mean, I think you're seeing the limitations of this. I mean, last year it felt like their style of play was so innovative and so different that I think it caught a lot of people off guard. You know, this whole idea of let's pound the offensive glass. They play heavy isolation. Let's, you know, jam the basket, you know, get all these offensive rebounds, pin you in. And we just have a bunch of six, eight guys. So it doesn't matter the cross matches. I think that took them a long way. 
And this year is showing maybe some of the limitations of that approach. And I think the biggest picture question that Toronto has got to answer, and I, I don't know, there's a lot of timeline questions with some of the players they have, but just bigger picture, how do you maintain what makes you different, but give you enough of what you kind of need to be able to keep up? Like kind of this innovation versus, you know, con- conformity is like kind of a really interesting theme there. So it does feel like in general that they, they have rather than sort of take a step forward and like build on the weird thing they built last year, they've sort of continued to be the weird thing that they built last year, but the rest of the league kind of knows it's coming. That's what it sort of feels like from a bigger picture perspective. Yeah, no, Mike, I think that's, that's, that's really well said. And I think, um, you know, with the team, they really do have to make that decision, right? Because unsurprisingly where they're weak is at the positions that they have kind of ignored, right? They, they don't have, mm-hmm a lot of guard depth at all, or at least any that Nick really trusts outside of uh, their starting backcourt of, of, of uh, Fred and Gary. And then they don't have a center at all. And I think for me, I think um, with this core group, especially if you're going to consider OG, Scotty, Pascal, Fred, honestly, he's played so poor this year. Maybe he's not part of that core group, but I mean, probably he's in that core group as well. If I'm looking at that core group, I, I can go one of two ways with the fifth starter, right? I'm either going to go for a center or I'm going to go for a shooting guard that can create better advantages than Gary. Which direction would you, from the outside looking in, uh, want the Raptors to to sort of uh, to, to buff up? I think that they need to get the better best player and not worry about whether it's a shooting guard or center, first okay. of all. Um, I mean, it, what's interesting is that, you know, I have to look at the numbers again, but it feels like, one of the, the larger questions, throw Fred aside because I think his situation is complicated due to his extension and his age and all that. Mm-hmm. To me, one of the biggest questions is like, can you make Scotty, OG, Pascal work where all three are playing at their best? Mm-hmm. I feel like there's been a lot of situations over the years, including last year, where like two of them are really good, but not the third. Yep. Like I think last year, OG kind of got lost in the shuffle. This year, I think it's been Barnes, mm-hmm. you know? And that's kind of the biggest picture question. And what do you need to make that work? And, you know, the rim protection thing is a, is a major problem right now. So I do think that it makes sense to kind of prioritize a center uh, while Coloco develops. I think he's clearly not there yet. Mm-hmm. But I also think you you need spacers more so than anything. You need sort of a little variety. And there are ways to get variety from the center position. Like, I don't... Like, Jakob Pertl is a popular name that's been mentioned, and I think that that would really help them. But, you know, what they really need, and these guys are hard to find, is, like, what Marcus Gasol was when they traded for him. Yep. You know, someone who can kind of shoot a little bit, like a Miles Turner type. But if you can't get that, I think you're better. It is helpful to have somebody who can play the two that can handle the ball and make plays off the dribble a little bit, mm. you know. I don't think they're in a position where they should choose. Like, I think they should get one and kind of mask the other. No, that makes sense, honestly. Um, I, I think the other thing, too, is, you know, for a lot of fans this year, they're not enjoying watching the Raptors playing as much. I think part of it is just because I don't think a lot of people would enjoy watching the 30th-ranked half-court offense. And, mm-hmm. and, and Mike, you've always done such a great job of breaking down the film and looking at the plays. And I think there's a lot of, like, blowback on Nick Nurse because of this as well. So I kind of wanted to ask you a, a tough question, really, because – it's always sort of interconnected, but is it the scheme or is it the talent that's leading to the half-court offense being so bad? You know, I think the thing that kind of connects all of it is this bigger stylistic question, honestly. Okay. Um, if you're looking for something that sort of connects it all, this is a team that's isolation heavy. This is not a team that runs a ton of pick and roll. Um, 
And when they do, I think they run into this problem where people switch them and sort of bait them into isolations. You know, and last year this was a problem, mm. but they kind of masked it with Fred had a great season, Garrett was shooting a little bit better, um, and all that. This year Fred's obviously had a rough shooting season and is not making as many plays with the ball in his hands. And Scotty Barnes is sort of taking on more of the perimeter role without being ready for it yet. Mm. I mean, you look at the biggest difference in his numbers and his production, a lot more shots on the perimeter, a lot more play on the perimeter, a lot less inside. He's less Boris Dio 2.0, and he's more just kind of a tall point guard. And I think that that's affected him and the team. So I think the bigger question you have to ask yourself as a team is sort of, are we railing to moderate a little bit how we play? And what does that mean? Who, does that, who do we have to put in a position to succeed? Because I think it is clear that they need a little bit more pick and roll. They need more ability to create two, uh, to get in rotation and space the floor. And so their their whole offense cannot just be, let's basically battering Ramu as far underneath the basket as possible <laughs> with our spacing and with our guys on the ball. Like they need a little variety. Uh-huh. And if Fred is not going to play as well as he has last year, and if Gary is going to be struggling the way he is, and if Scotty just isn't ready to kind of connect those dots yet, which I don't think anyone should have expected he was, it's it's tough. Maybe it's a lot more of Pascal and inverted pick and rolls, but I think part of it too is where you position the other guys. Like you've got mm. so many guys that are on the baseline with the way they play. Like you do maybe have to risk you know, kind of lifting more of those guys up to the top of the key uh, and having less of an offensive rebounded emphasis, especially considering they're already dropping an offensive rebounding. So I think it's a tough question to answer, but I think it all kind of comes back to what type of team do you want to be and how do you keep the good things that make you different while adding some of the elements that, whether it's scheme or players, I think it's probably a combination, that make you a little bit more of a moderate from this extreme style that the league is starting to figure out. Right. And, and and that's the concern for me too, is just like, are they starting to figure this out? And also is the league trying to like adapt to it? Right. Because you know, when I was watching the magic and, and the Raptors losing twice to the magic over the weekend, one of the big takeaways was just like, I mean, the Raptors really want to be like big and athletic and, and sort of dominate you with their physicality. The magic were literally bigger at every single position. And the yeah. Raptors had a couple of injuries and all what, but it doesn't really matter. Like the, 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 the like the Raptors want to be this like Vision Six Nine thing. The Magic are like we're going to be Vision Seven Foot, and, and, <laughs> yeah, like, and, if, and if we draft Victor, <laughs> like you're never going to see any single shot inside the paint ever again. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, some of that is the opponent. I mean, the Magic are just, I mean, the weirdest structural team in the league. But this is, to some degree, this is the cost of innovation, right? Mm. You know, this is part. This is all the same conversation because if people like what you're doing, they're going to copy you. Yeah, yeah, and if they're going to copy you, you need to moderate and get better at it. I mean, this is just that so many stories of the league. This I think is one reason why, and this is actually a big theme in the book. And I'm I'm kind of curious to see how it plays out with Toronto over time. The innovators are generally not the teams that win. The innovators are the like the Don Nelsons or Mm. the Rockets or Phoenix Suns. The the Antonio Suns is yeah, of course, the most obvious example is like where you got to be weird. If you're, but if you're too weird and too different, someone is going to just sort of iterate on your idea and do it better. Uh, I do think that when we talk about the league catching up to the Raptors, to me, that's more of what I'm. I think I'm seeing. It's just a different way of saying it. It's just, it's more of a compliment to say that, right? Like, oh, that you guys were ahead of the curve. Now the curve is catching up. Is 
kind of the other side of the the league is the league is figuring you out coin. So I do think there is a lot of that going on for sure. Um, but I also think, look, Pascal has hurt a lot. Scotty, I think a lot, probably too much was expected of him. I do think, I don't know what you guys think, but like, I do think the Achua loss has actually been kind of underrated. Yeah. And yeah, no doubt. It was really him. good last year. Yeah. You know, especially when they were playing well, he really surged. Um, there's still time to, I think, fix some of this stuff. Yeah, awesome. Well, listen, Mike, I, I wish I could have joined in on this conversation, but I was busy working <laughs> on my book during the last 10 minutes. Um, no, but I appreciate, appreciate no, your time. I doesn't like talking ball. No, I, pre- no I love hoops. Um, but I appreciate, appreciate your time. Everybody should check out Mike Prater's new book, Spaced Out, How the NBA's Three-Point Revolution Changed Everything You Thought You Knew About Basketball. Mike, appreciate your insight as always, and hope we can catch up soon, man. Yeah, thank you. And obviously check out Cover Story as well uh, and this soon-to-be book. And for Raptors fans, by the way, with the Spaced Out, Chapter 12 really gets into a lot of what the Raptors have been doing innovation-wise that um, I think people will really enjoy or maybe copy or maybe don't enjoy it too much so that the rest of the league figures it out. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you, Mike. We'll talk soon. Thank you for having me. That was Mike Prado of The Athletic. Yeah, look at you guys flexing on your books. No, I think, yeah, yeah. We have you know, writing of time. a book is a wild thing to do, you know, because sometimes I'm writing 10 things and it's like mm. 10 things from the Orlando Magic and I'm just like, oh, man, I got to write 10? And meanwhile, you got to <laughs> write like 10,000 things in your books. Yeah, yeah, when, I, when I'm not hanging out with yeah. my best friend, my dad, during the holidays, that's what I'm going to be working on. Yeah, what, what are you going to We got a reservation up to, by the way. Uh, you know, we got a reservation at the keg on Saturday because he specifically wanted to, to check out the keg. Which, which keg you're going to? I can't, I'm not going to reveal the location. No. What do you mean? I don't, <laughs> I don't want, I don't okay, want right. Will Lou stands to pull up and be like, where's Will? Where's my Yao Ming jersey that I didn't win at the live event? <laughs> Crowd is a little thirsty. Felix, please hit me up. You're okay, the only Felix. person who hasn't responded. Um, um, but yeah. yeah, no, I think it's always cool to hear from from just outsiders' perspectives. Yeah, for right? sure, for sure. Like, and, and, and like you're right. Like, I think Mike looks at the game very like critically mm-hmm. and, and yeah. is able to to offer the perspectives. And it's not even a criticism to him to to say that he's not saying anything that you guys haven't like talked about, right? Or we haven't talked about. Uh, I think I think we're well aware of what the Raptors' yeah. problems are right now. Well, well, one of the other things too is just like to the point of like not necessarily enjoying the raptors as much this season i mean again i'm sure some people are still really enjoying but like, like i asked you name competing basketball name three games that you've enjoyed from the raptors from a, just like a con- yeah. you always say from a consumer atlanta game remember when scotty was pulling up for three he had like five threes <laughs> even the then quarter. before the game nick was like i'd like to see scotty in the low post more and scotty's like hey <laughs> here's five threes you know <laughs> yeah. it was pretty sick um the two cleveland wins but i mean the bigger story like to me is just like where are the fun Raptors storylines? Where's the joy in this season? Mm. Last year, we got to push All-Star for Pascal yep. and Fred. We got to push Rookie of the Year for Scotty. We got to push All-NBA for, for you know, mm-hmm. for, for for Pascal. We got to push Ramen for Utah. Mm. We got to make Failed. SV jokes. You know, yeah. we got to... What else did we do last year? No, it was fun. Uh, and overall, it was just the Raptors. Oh, we got to talk to Gary yeah, and it, Gary's it, dad. It, it was, was the Raptors returning to Toronto. It was the return to Toronto. And, and then it was that, the empty right. arena report. Right. Like, there were just so many different... Like, there was a fire in the building. Yeah. Like but, I've said... The only time Precious the Raptors break out, yes, Chris Boucher turning the season around. Chris. What are the happy storylines this season? Only history the Raptors have made this season have been at history. Nick yeah. Nurse Foundation event, aka Neo Concert, Masai Ujiri Giants of Africa event. Yeah. It was great, but, and our live event. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, the three peat this year. Say, I mean, the, the energy at our live event was. Uh, uh, anyways, to be continued on the banter pod recording after this. 
And now it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. The Toronto Raptors are hosting the Sacramento Kings tonight. The line for tonight's game at Bet Rivers is Raptors minus four and a half. Will, how do you feel about the Raptors being four and a half point favorites at home coming off back-to-back losses at Amway? Um, so I was watching a little bit of Sacramento yesterday. Um, mm. They got uh, you know blown out by the Sixers. The Sixers are playing well, right? So that's not a surprise necessarily. But um, yeah, you do wonder if they're going to come back with a firmer response. I think Fox has given the Raptors trouble in the past. Mm. But then again, the last time I remember the Raptors playing host to De'Aaron Fox, Fox after the game was like, whew, man, that bench over there? I got Malachi <laughs> Flynn? Right. He's like, he's like, they all know their roles. See Mahila, yeah. Ken Birch? Like, whew. We need to see that so, tonight, man. Um, it's so hard right now to bet on the Raptors because you mm. just don't know which team will show up. Um, is it going to be the team that only makes, like, five threes? Or is it going to be the team that plays hard defensively from start to finish, wins the possession battle? I think that's something the Raptors need to do in this game is to make sure they win the possession battle, crash the glass, get extra chances because look realistically without OG, one of your three shooters, like you're, you really are down a lot of, you know, outside shooting. And so, uh, I don't know. It pains me to say this. I, I think I might go Sacramento's way on this one. It's just hard to predict them. That's the thing. I would actually just stay away until I see some okay. kind of consistency from the Raptors. But if I had to, I'd probably go Sacramento. You know what? I'm going to show some confidence in the Raptors. Okay. You tonight. know what? To be fair, the Raptors are great at home. The They're Toronto like, what, Raptors 10 are 10 and three at home. Okay. I think at some point, we talk so much about words versus actions. We've heard the words, you know, guys being accountable, Fred being accountable, Thad in your interview, Pascal even saying yesterday at practice that guys are going to stick together and they're going to get through this. And at some point, I feel like the pride's got to kick in too, right? Like you can give all the credit to the Orlando Magic, but come on, man. Getting swept in Orlando is embarrassing. Yeah. Like for the standards that you have for this team, they were just talking about standards in the players only meeting. So you come home now, you've hit another low after the back-to-back losses against Orlando. Sacramento's on the second half of a back-to-back. You want to get on track tonight. So I'm going to take the Raptors minus four and a half. You know what? You might have talked me into it. Maybe I'll flip it as well. Okay, so our pick officially is Raptors minus four and a half. That was Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. We'll have Savannah Hamilton join us in studio tomorrow. Yes, and in the meantime, we are going to record another episode of the Banter Pod. So look for those... um, you know, before all your bedsheet folding needs or whatever people do to the yeah, show's a Vic. Um, but anyway, we're we're done for today. I'm your host, Will Luton, listening to the Raptor Show on Sports and Radio Network. Thanks again to producer and co-host Alex Wong. Thanks to Mike Prada, our board producer Derek Brandale. Welcome back, Jennifer Rolnick, helping us with the YouTube stream, and we will be back to talk to you tomorrow.